I'm Krati Mehra and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Goals. This is episode number 46 and today we are talking about how you can improve communication in your relationships and create mutual trust and understanding. We are biologically, cognitively, physically and spiritually wired to love, to be loved and to belong. When these needs are not met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we grow numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. There are certainly other causes of illness, numbness and hurt, but the absence of love and belonging will always lead to suffering. This profound truth was shared by one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, in a book, The Gifts of Imperfection. There have been many, many studies conducted in the area of relationships, love and well-being, and based on their findings, we can say with complete confidence that the quality of our personal relationships has a deep impact on the quality of our life. Conversely, the health risks associated with a lonely and isolated existence are comparable to those of cigarette smoking, blood pressure, and obesity. And I would also like to mention the finding of one of the longest studies conducted on adult life. This ongoing study for over 80 years tracked the lives of 724 men, following up with them annually to ask them about their work, home lives, and health. They used questionnaires, interviews, and medical records to cover all bases. And using all that information, they had one clear conclusive result. Healthy relationships are necessary for a happier, more successful life. People who do best in life are the ones who lean wholeheartedly into relationships with family, friends, and community. Now, there are a ton of other studies that share similar supplemental findings, but if you have lived your life with any awareness, you don't need a bunch of scientific results to tell you that we are all happier when we have a reliable support system in our lives. For a lot of us, loneliness can uh, and has led to depression, anxiety, immune system issues, high blood pressure, low recovery rates, and other psychophysiological issues. And I would like to share my own experience here. Uh, I grew up with only books for company. I didn't really have any deep friendships for the first 21 years of my life. Uh, In fact, I grew up almost contemptuous of people who need others to have a good time, who needed others to help them through difficult days. I took, and in fact, I still do, uh, somewhere inside, I still take great pride in saying things like, I don't do need. I may want certain people, but I don't need them. I can slay my own dragons. I can fight my own battles. I am fine on my own. And yes, very honestly, I am glad about the fact that I'm very independent and self-sufficient. But while growing up, I had some misconception about what it really meant to be self-sufficient, to be independent. And I treated that um, self-knowledge with a certain arrogance. But as an adult, Uh, Now that I have some wisdom, (laughs) I have a very different kind of appreciation for my solitary nature and my independence that I will share with you in just a moment. When I was struggling um, through my addiction and going through a shit ton of mental health issues, 
I chose to go through it by myself. It's that arrogance that I mentioned. Uh, I took myself to counselors, to the doctor's appointments. I went to the therapist, came home to an empty apartment, did my exercises, wiped my own tears, gave myself pep talks looking into the mirror, woke up the next day to do the whole thing again and again till I made it to the other side. I never once reached out to a loved one and asked them to be there for me. I take great pride in sharing that story. But every time I uh, share these struggles, this this um, bit of my history with my mom, my closest friends, I always feel a little lighter. I always feel better when my friends hold my hand in the middle of the conversation and tell me they're proud of me, but they wish they could have been there for me. Or when my mom gets angry that I hid all this from her, I feel this flood of warmth. The more pissed she gets, the more loved and cared for I feel. And it helps. I may not, I'm, I'm not struggling like that anymore, but I still carry the scars and they're still sensitive to the touch. But every time someone shows that they care, that they wish they could go back in time and take that pain away, it makes those scars fade a little. The memories are not as painful anymore. And here's something else that I don't share very often. Uh, the talk therapy was key to my recovery. Therapy is amazing. I've always championed it, not just as a tool for recovery, but as something that can really help us become more self-aware and help us along on our professional and personal journeys. But when I started therapy, it took very quickly. Even though at the time I was very skeptical, I was very scared because I was so used to bottling things up. As I said, I was uh, a very solitary kid and trust did not come easily to me. But it was, I think, about in within three weeks of therapy, I felt transformed. I was 24 when I started therapy, so I had been carrying around anger for all that time. But suddenly it just fell away like someone reached into my brain and just wiped it all out. Therapy gave me a version of myself that I couldn't have imagined. Even in like my most happy dreams, I couldn't have imagined being this person, being this controlled being this optimistic, being this open to new experiences, to people, to being able to trust. The person that I was, I had to fight every fight and I had to do it loudly and make sure that everyone understood that I'm not scared, that I don't back down and I don't cry and I don't ask for help. And now, now I am crazy selective about the battles I choose to fight. And even then, if there is a quieter, easier way to wrap things up, I'll take it as long as I get my point across. So this massive transformation happened in therapy and it happened very quickly. But the reason that it happened at all was because for the first time in my life, I felt understood. I was in a room with another human being and felt no hostility or judgment. This other person wasn't trying to take apart what I was saying, but he was actually listening, not to find something to judge or ridicule, but just to listen and understand and to hopefully help me. I mean, I always had a support system. I had friends, I had a family, I had a sibling, but there was no understanding there. There was no trust. And I don't know who was to blame for it, but I could never really talk to any of these people, to my parents or my sibling, without feeling uncomfortably exposed and under attack and like I was being judged. The point to note here is that no matter how solitary a person you are, no matter how introverted, aloof or self-sufficient you are, you still need people. But these people 
have to be able to understand you. And it's only through effective communication that we can establish truly supportive, healthy, reciprocal bonds with others. And in case there is any confusion here, let me spell it out for you. It's not about how many followers you have or even how many friends you have. It's not about whether you spend your Friday nights alone at home or partying at the most popular joints. It's not about your marital status or your relationship status at all. It's about the quality of your relationships and whether you feel understood or not when you're with the people you consider your close, trusted, loved ones. One person in your life that truly understands you is better than having a hundred friends. A lot of us confuse quantity with quality. So many of us rush into marriage, conceive children in a hurry to stave off loneliness. But what we need to understand is that it's not just about being in a relationship. It's the quality of your relationship that matters here. And the number one key to building healthy relationships is effective communication. I am still a very solitary person. I'm still very independent. But instead of taking that as a point of pride, this simply allows me to be very selective about who I choose to allow into my life. When I get anxious or I uh, feel any kind of negative change in my mental health, I can now let my parents or my closest friends know and instantly their understanding of my issues, my nature, it's very apparent in how they choose to show up for me. They never encroach on my space. I can set the pace and I can tell them what I need and they support me in a very quiet, non-obtrusive way, which is what I need. Someone else may need things done differently, but unless there is clear communication, they won't know what's expected or how to deliver it. And a lot of good relationships with a lot of potential will fail to survive. In periods of difficulty, a supportive loved one who understands our emotions, our struggles, is like a, it's like a godsend. A person like that will lighten your load, will make it easier for you to fight. But to get to that point, you need to consistently share your needs, expectations, hopes, and dreams. I always had a family. But it was only after we started having some very frank, open communication that we were able to establish a point of understanding. And it was only with clear communication that we realized that the love and care had always been there. We just didn't know what the other person needed. Which is why this episode is so important to me. I want to share some of the things you can do to improve communication. Communication can be very complicated. It's also very scary because we are often so scared of losing control, um, you know, having a breakdown and embarrassing ourselves. So we avoid it. And that habit just gets stronger and stronger over time. It just becomes easier to, you know, even allow a relationship to break instead of having that very difficult, very sensitive conversation. So let's go over some of the things you can do to improve your communication. Number one, you need to approach issues from a place of calm and clarity. Whenever you broach a difficult subject or in the event of a conflict, before you talk to your loved one, make sure you have clarity around your side of things. Be clear about your own emotions and expectations. And then you can initiate a conversation. But do so only when you're not in an emotionally heightened state. Or you may end up saying something hurtful and cruel which may worsen the whole situation. What you need here is you need calm and you need clarity. So try to work through things on your own and reach a calmer frame of mind. And if something holds you back, if that fear of vulnerability, fear of embarrassment holds you back, you need to understand that no matter how much someone loves you, 
They're not a mind reader. We have all been guilty of wishing that the people who love us would just get how we are feeling as proof of their love of, for us. But unless you're in a movie, that's not going to happen. So if you've got something to say, speak up. But do it from a place of calm and clarity. Secondly, I would suggest that you level your issues at actions and not at the individual. So when we are angry, very often we resort to insults and accusation. But when we do that, we make the other person feel attacked and then they start retaliating and then everything goes to hell, right? The conversation turns into a slanging match. So to avoid that, instead of leveling your words at the person, address the action or whatever it is that you have an issue with. So don't say things like, you are inconsiderate and insensitive. Instead, what you can say is, there are times when I feel overlooked or ignored by you. I would like for us to discuss that. By doing this, you assure them that they are not under attack. You establish that you are trying to better understand the situation and would like to work with them. You make it very obvious that they are needed and you're willing to do whatever it takes for the two of you to enjoy a more harmonious relationship. And that this conversation is for the benefit of both the people involved, right? It's not just you venting. It's you looking for a solution here. Another thing I will add here is that as you do this, as you try to address the latest issue in your relationship, try not to say things like, this is a deal breaker or this is non-negotiable. Because if you do that, you are basically letting the other person know that the whole conversation is pointless unless you get your way. And you've also not left any room for what the other person needs or wants. And that is not how relationships work. So in a relationship conversation, do not use words like that, okay? It is an open conversation which has been initiated to benefit the relationship. Now, thirdly, you need to take responsibility. So don't get aggressive if the other person points out your fault in the fight or something you did that hurt their feelings. Sometimes um, in trying to justify ourselves, we often forget that we don't get to decide how someone should be feeling and whether they have been hurt or not. You can share your perspective. In fact, you should share your perspective and what led to your actions. But if someone tells you that they have been hurt by you, just take responsibility. If you don't agree with what is being said, say something like, I hear what you're saying. My understanding of the situation is different, but I may just be unable to see things from your perspective. I will try my best to do things differently and be more mindful of your feelings in the future. But whatever you do, don't refuse to acknowledge their feelings or your part in this entire situation. Next, I would suggest is that you verbalize your feelings frequently. Make it a habit to embrace vulnerability as often as you can. Whether you do it for positive or negative emotions, it doesn't matter. You need to verbalize your feelings. In case of positive feelings, it's good to let the other person know that they are loved and appreciated. Even the simplest of compliments and gestures can deepen your relationships. And if you are experiencing certain negative emotions, don't use passive-aggressive tactics. Some very clever people think it's a great idea to leave subtle little hints like 
breadcrumbs and help the other person realize their mistake without them having to say or do anything. But that's very juvenile. It's underhanded. And if you have any amount of respect for your relationship or the other person, please don't do it. And you may be choosing this tactic out of fear. And being afraid is certainly not a crime. So uh, what I suggest here is that you open the conversation with, I am afraid, but I want to be as honest as I can be. I'll appreciate your patience and understanding. Verbalizing your fear will give you courage. You have stated your fear openly. It's out there and therefore no longer influencing your actions in confusing ways. And more importantly, the other person is aware of how you're feeling, so there will be more understanding in the room. Also, verbalizing your fears means you've, you've created an open and honest environment, and you never know, the other person might be just as afraid as you are. In fact, it's very likely that the other person shares your fear, but it is in moments of shared vulnerability that the deepest bonds are formed. Suggestion number five, and this to me, this is very important. Don't dig up old wounds. It always pisses me off when people dig up stuff from the past and they use it as a reason not to acknowledge that I've changed and grown. Or they use it as a way to keep attacking me. Don't do that. Especially if the situation is already uh, fraught with heightened emotions. Focus on the situation at hand. Bringing up things from the past is not going to help the situation. It is certainly not going to help your case. It feels more like a strategized attack where you're hoping to shame and guilt the other person. It will be counterproductive and destroy whatever understanding you've built. And you will also make it very difficult for the other person to trust you after this point. Suggestion number six, really listen. Listen to what is being said. Just as you have things to say, they do too. Let them say their piece. Listen carefully and try to understand. Don't let your mind wander while they're talking to you. Don't start creating a list of chores or your shopping list. Focus on the contents of the conversation. And just as you shouldn't like let your mind wander, you should also not be focused on coming up with the most appropriate response. And this is not a job interview or a business negotiation. This is a personal conversation. Spontaneity is expected, appreciated. Yes, you should be careful about your responses to a certain degree so that you don't cause any hurt. But at the same time, you need to listen before you respond. So while the other person is talking, just focus on what they're saying. Thirdly, don't judge. Treat their confidence exactly as you expect your feelings and experiences to be treated. And another thing that I would suggest is do not go into the conversation with some set goals and then try to manipulate the conversation in the desired direction. Okay, so just listen. Listen with an open mind, with honest intentions. And if you find that your conversations turn into arguments with each uh, person interrupting the other, here's something you can do. You can use a timer. Each person can be given 5, uh, 10 or 15 minutes to speak before the other person is allowed to talk. So you can't interrupt each other. But if this trick doesn't work, if things start to escalate, walk away. And then once you've both calmed down, you can resume the conversation. And if you are the dominant person in the relationship, you may also want to be careful that you are not hijacking the conversation. Moving on to the next suggestion. During difficult conversation, try to put your emotions aside. Easier said than done, I know. But you have to remember that sometimes... It's not about you. It's not even about the person. It's about something completely unrelated that deserves attention. Childhood experiences, independent expectations and ideas, previous and other relationships. 
a romantic relationship can be impacted by a person's uh, family dynamics, how they were raised, the health of other intimate relationships, and not just their own, but that of the people in their life. So it's not always about you. And as you listen to the other person, look for possible clues that may tell you that what you are receiving is a byproduct of some other experience or something else going on in their life. Whenever we yell at traffic lights, it's never about the lights or your fellow drivers. It's almost always frustration at something entirely different. Running late, exhaustion, hungover, overslept, or didn't get enough sleep. But it's never about the traffic itself. But when you're having a good day, you are more than happy to wait at a long-ass traffic light. It doesn't bother you. Just like that. Sometimes when a person throws an accusation at you or just yells at you, there is more there than what they're actually saying. For instance, um, if your partner throws a jealous fit because they thought you were flirting with someone else at a party, instead of taking offense, examine their behavior and try to figure out if they are insecure because of self-esteem issues past betrayals or perhaps um, you have been negligent or inattentive recently which is making them suspicious sometimes there are things in our subconscious that impact us in ways that we are not even fully aware of and sometimes it's just life getting a little out of hand in such situations it's important to remain calm and respond with more care and consideration Yes, it is an emotional situation, but that does not mean that you have to let your emotions dictate your reactions and your response. Take a moment, try to push emotions aside, try to pretend that this is happening to someone else, and think about what advice you would give them to help them navigate this very sensitive situation. Lastly, I would advise you to focus on the foundation of your relationship. While communicating issues is important, you need to make time to discuss more positive, happier things. Have conversations where the only expectation is to learn more about the person that you're with. Conversations that are appreciative and expressive of your sense of gratitude for that person's presence in your life. At the beginning of the episode, we talked about the importance of the quality of our relationships. And one of the best ways to judge whether your relationship is healthy or not, is to measure the amount of time you spend on the good as compared to the time spent resolving conflict. Of course, sometimes relationships go through rough periods, but there should be enough good there for it to survive the bumps. So make sure that your loved ones feel seen, heard, and understood. Make time for adventure. Go off the grid for a weekend and make it all about the other person and whatever it is that they love doing. Do something exciting together. Try something new. Take up activities that require placing your trust in your loved ones. And as you do all of these things, don't expect instant results. Effective communication, like everything else, takes time and practice. But when there is um, constant, open, honest communication in a relationship, it will go from strength to strength. And you will be able to feel it. In the meantime, make an effort to acknowledge the other person's attempts to be more communicative. Find little ways to show your love and gratitude. Smile warmly at them whenever they do something nice. Leave random little thank you notes when something you've communicated has actually been put into action. Give them a spontaneous hug. Show appreciation for that. Thank them for being there for you. Just infuse your relationship with warmth and make it the safest place that they have ever known. Just don't bottle things up. From my own experience, I can say that when you take the first step, 
you'll find that the other person is more than willing to walk the rest of the distance with you. Now, I will leave you with this quote by Roy T. Bennett. Listen with curiosity, speak with honesty, act with integrity. The greatest problem with communication is we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. When we listen with curiosity, we don't listen with the intent to reply. We listen for what's behind the words. That's it for today. Now, if you have any questions around this subject or any concerns that you would like to share, use the contact page on my website or DM me on Instagram. Now, if you want to explore the resources mentioned during the episode, the links will be in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, go to my website, kratimera.com, and there's a whole bunch of them for you to explore. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate and review the show on iTunes and share the episode on Instagram. This will help the show grow and reach a wider audience. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. Now, I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.